You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. I'm having a goddamn blast on tour with this Big Mouth and a Small Town tour, so I've added some dates and wanted to let you know where I'm headed next. Uh, March 14th, I will be in Lakeside, Arizona, and then the 15th and 16th, I'm finally coming to Tucson. So if you're in Tucson, I'm coming to Laughs Comedy Cafe. Get your tickets. We're going to have a good time. My good friend Noah Koffer will be featuring at those shows. He'll also be with me the following weekend when I come to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Dr. Grins, I cannot wait to see you guys again. Those are always some of my favorite shows, and I'm sure this year will be no exception. And then I am headed up to my home state of Alaska for the Alaska Before You Die Fest. Anchorage, you better not fucking sit on these tickets. They're going fast. There's a few left. Uh, April 5th, I will be doing shows at the Gumbo House. It's downtown. I'm doing an early and a late show, one night only. It's an intimate venue, so tickets are limited. It's going to be out of control. If you've come to my show at Coots before, you know how fun they are. This venue is so much better for comedy. I can't even explain it. Just get fucking tickets. These shows are going to be wild. And then on the 6th, I'm headed down to Homer. Homer, Alaska. I am coming, performing there for the first time. Alice's Champagne Palace. And then on the 7th, I will be in Seward, Alaska. So Anchorage, Homer, Seward. We're having a goddamn good time. I'm going to come kill at all those shows because I'm a fucking Alaskan assassin. Am I sorry I said that? I don't know. Listen. Dayton, Kentucky, 12th of April. If you are in the Cincinnati-ish area, Dayton, Ohio, Dayton, Kentucky, this is your chance to see me at a really cool new venue called the Commonwealth Sanctuary. And then I am headed to Portland, May 3rd. I'm headlining the Rip City Comedy Festival. I will be at McMenamin's Mission Theater. You guys, this is a cool theater. We want it to be packed out because, of course I want it to be packed out, but also like, Let's have a goddamn good time in this nice, beautiful theater. So come to that. It's going to be a hell of a time. I can't wait to come back to Portland. And then Wisconsin. I'm headed back your way. But this time I'm coming to Janesville, May 17th and 18th. Green Bay on the 19th. And then what up, Florida? St. Pete, Tampa. I'm coming your way. Uh, Tampa, I will be there June 2nd. And St. Pete, um, they're ahead of that, uh, May 31st. Tampa, I'm at Side Splitters. And if you go to the links in all of my bios or go to their website to get tickets, for a limited time, you can use the code JMS and get $5 off tickets. And wherever you are, I- I'm trying to get people to buy tickets early instead of waiting to the last minute and making me panic so that if it is going to sell out, it sells out faster so that I know that, the club knows that, maybe we can add a second show. It just FYI, that helps every artist that you're a fan of. So if you can ever buy ASAP, go ahead and do that. Uh, so that's your incentive to buy early in Tampa. And uh, uh, I'll be adding more dates soon. If you did not hear your town, but you want me to come there, 
head over to my Instagram, instagram.com slash JMS comedy or just at JMS comedy. If you're using the app, like most of us, uh, click the link in my bio, join my email list. That lets me know where you guys are. So I know what areas want to come see me. Uh, so do that. I can't wait to get to more cities. I'm having so much fucking fun on the road. You guys have been amazing. People have been buying merch. These audiences have been out of control. Good. Just electric laughing, having a blast. And I know all these upcoming shows are going to be no exception. So I will see you there. JMScomedy.com slash shows to get your tickets. Tell your friends, tell your enemies. We're going to have a fucking good time either way. So thanks for listening to this little promo. Enjoy this episode. Ta-ta, idiots. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. What kind of ignorant shit is that? At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. You idiot, you fool! Hey, dummy! This is the Ignorances Blast Podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Hey, idiots. Sorry, this episode is a teensy bit late. I was up in Alameda doing shows. Thank you to those people who came out. They were fucking awesome. And then did a little road tripping back down to Southern California. So I wasn't able to get this edit out to you on time, but it is here. I am excited. And this one's super interesting. It's about being a first responder. You know, a lot of my guests come on, uh, and I guess this has been the case for the last few weeks. You know, I've often had people who are promoting the thing they do and they have a book about it or whatever, but this is just another everyday person doing a cool ass job. He does happen to be a good friend of mine from high school who is the husband of one of my high school best friends, which made it easy for me to reach out to him. But yeah, just a rad dude, trained firefighter. He's a first responder, drives an ambulance all over Anchorage, Alaska, so he let me interview him about that, how he got into it, what it's like, the day-to-day, you know, some common misconceptions or questions we might have or, you know, how we as people in need of emergency help or in the future possibly going to be in need of that can best assess, you know, who to call, when to know when to call. And, uh, yeah, we managed to have a couple of chuckles in there, but we got some good info. If you stay tuned toward the end, it just happened. I asked about it based on uh, he was retelling a story of uh, a uh, you know somebody had to pick up, but little little tidbit tips on signs of a stroke to keep an eye on, which you know hopefully we'll all be lucky enough to never need to utilize those signs. But look at that right there, helpful info for you. I have been loving the responses and feedback I've been getting on these. Thank you to everyone who has been reaching out to say how much they loved Joe talking about being a public defender and learning about Nate Martin last week with the escape rooms. And I know that you're going to love this one just as much. If you want to get more involved, want to be able to drop in some questions ahead of time, if you're you know noticing uh, you know, oh, I wish you would have asked this. Join the Facebook group. Ignorance is hashtag blessed idiots on Facebook. Make sure you mention the podcast when you do the member request. That's kind of how I suss out random people. The, you'd be surprised how many random people are just trying to get into Facebook groups for some reason. It's mind boggling. So just mention that and then you can get in. And I try to post ahead of time as much as possible for 
uh, questions based on the guests I have coming up. And it's an open forum if you want to start a conversation about one of the topics, uh, you know, something interesting you didn't know about a guest or even pitch the types of guests you'd like to hear about. Join that. And if you have not yet reviewed the podcast, if you could just take a quick second on whatever application you're listening to this on, give it a pause, go into the app, review, rate it. Uh, the ratings and the reviews help just get the podcast more in the algorithm. I also love hearing from you guys, reading those little things. And uh, yeah, that's that. I'm doing a big tour. You heard those dates beforehand. And uh, I'll be adding more. So go to my link in bio, can't stress this enough, on my Instagram. Follow me there and wherever, you know, you like to consume content out on the wild webs. Click on the link in bio in my Instagram, though, and join my email list. I do not spam you. I promise you will only get an email if I have a big announcement. And that's like a big set is dropping uh, if I do a special and, you know, tour dates. And it's mostly for me to see where in the world you guys are so I can target more of my shows toward the people who actually want to come see me and laugh. And thank you to those who have done that. I've got some big, you know, some more dates coming up. And I'm so excited for the new year. I hope you are too. I think that's all. Keep in mind, you know, this is just one guy sharing his own experience and uh, ideas from how things look from his situated position in the world, which is always the case. And I hope you enjoy my interview with my good friend, Chris Ling, right after a really quick word from the advertisers who help keep this content free for you. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Hey, idiots. We're back. I'm back. I have a very exciting guest for you today. He is a friend of mine. We go way back. Uh, he's the husband of my best friend from high school. Uh, so we probably have a lot of stories that we will never get to on this podcast. <laughs> Uh, but he's also a first responder. Is that what I call you? It's Chris Ling. Hi, Chris. Hello. You want me to bleep out yeah, your name? Yeah. No, I don't care. First responders. Yeah. A normally accepted term, I would say. What's your What is your official title? What do What's your So my actual like job title is firefighter paramedic. Okay. And which one of those do you do the most? So. Uh, with our schedule and our rotation, we kind of split time evenly between an ambulance and like a fire engine or a fire truck. Uh, but just the nature of how the world is today, we run mostly medical calls. So I would say like I actually perform medicine more than firefighting. Okay. Well, that's, I, I mean, I guess that's a good thing that the world's not on fire, but also yeah. probably <laughs> says a lot about the world that you're regularly doing medical calls. Yeah. Um, well, let's just start a little bit with like you and your background. So is this what you always wanted to do? We went to, so uh, for people who don't know, we went to high school together and we just, 
I don't know. I didn't know that in high school. This is what you wanted to do. You played sports and hockey and we definitely partied and got wild. <laughs> and now you help people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'm repenting or something. I don't know. Uh, but the, <laughs> yeah. So about my senior year of high school, I think it was maybe my junior year. I can't remember exactly, but uh, super random. Uh, a car drove into my house that I was living in oh, and yeah, like, fuck. yeah des- destroyed my bedroom and all that stuff. Uh, but Jesus. that's kind of where I got introduced to the fire service. Uh, there was a, a person on location that told me about a program uh, with the Anchorage fire department, which is obviously where we're from. Uh, and yeah, through talking with him, uh, I joined this other program, which essentially it's called explorers. It's essentially like a, a boy scouts program, but it's, specifically about emergency services and the fire service. Like Boy Scouts uh, for adults. I, it, yeah. You can be in it from like 14 to 21. Okay. So, so it's like you, prepping you, to it, like go in that field. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of exposing you to it a little bit. And like, is this really for you um, before you just, you know, get out on the streets and like, no, this is not Before for you're me. in front of a fire <laughs> and you're like, I've made a huge mistake. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and so from, from joining that, I knew at that point that this is definitely what I wanted to do. There was like no instantly you were like, oh, yeah. I'm locked in. Yeah. Yep. What was it about that field that like drew you to it? Uh, just that it changes constantly. Like okay. even from shift to shift, even you know, through the day, it's different. You can be going on EMS calls for a majority of the day. And then you go to a fire or a car accident. It's like, it's never the same thing every single shift. So it's always variable, um, nice. which is very much my personality. Like I cannot handle the like hanging out, sitting at a desk, doing the same thing, having I lunch can't. at the same time, like all of that stuff. I can't handle that. I cannot imagine you in a corporate, I like the quickness with which I imagine you snapping at a desktop <laughs> and just yeah. throwing staplers yeah. at people's heads. <laughs> yeah, no, it would be like an HR department's worst nightmare from a cubicle. Yeah, yeah you're like, yeah, you have to stop throwing, <laughs> shooting spitballs at the other employees, please. Yeah, Man. it wouldn't last long. So what is the training like when you decide to go into that? Like, is it college or is it a, how does that work? So it, the fire service is unique in the fact where we kind of take all walks of life. So <laughs> like you're willing uh, to fight a fire? Sure, you can. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're in. Uh, so we have a lot of like uh, ex-military members, actually. Um, oh, nice. some of them who are, were like, uh, uh, pararescue type guys. So they have that like kind of medical background. They were just getting shot at and in a war zone while they were doing it. Jesus. Um, and then we have uh, roofers, guys that were HVAC service technicians, teachers, uh, somebody was a secretary, not a secretary, a, uh, uh, a garbage man for the city for years and years and then got hired. So it's, it's truly like a, a cross section of just random people's backgrounds. And then you have um, uh, people who are like me, who knew from a young age that this is what they wanted to do and, and decided to join. So it's very eclectic. College is not required, um, recommended, but not required. Uh, uh, so you truly can be 18 and apply and, and get a job. And they're like, you're, you're really willing to do this? All right, <laughs> suit up. Yeah. Were yeah, you, a... sorry, go ahead the the training itself is pretty in-depth and pretty long like my academy for instance once you get hired do they put you through like practical training and, and book testing and stuff like that 
uh, and mine was 17 weeks long. Uh, and so you're going five days a week doing, um, you know, physical training and then uh, drills and evolutions outside with firefighters who are already on duty um, and then EMS scenarios and all kinds of stuff for 17 weeks. And then if you pass that and graduate, then you get assigned to a fire station for, for a full year of probation, which probation is, is you have a year to prove that you can do the job and still belong there. That you aren't they, a pussy. They can they can essentially fire you whenever. What, like, no what, questions asked. What kind of things would get someone fired? Uh, so the biggest one I think in the past is like maybe failure to thrive is the wrong term to use, but like they just don't excel. Like they have a hard time learning like further more advanced concepts and like yeah. like achieving their job duties and like you so know repetitive. Stuff. Yeah, when you're when you're training somebody and then the next week you're training them on the same thing and the next week it's the same thing and it's like okay, like and are they just... not getting it? <laughs> like, yeah, they, okay, yeah. so it's not just like I saw you crying at the fire station. You can't. No, crying. no, <laughs> no. And and there's been other ones in the past, none that I've known personally, but just attitude issues, like they don't really handle chain of command very well, um, different things like that. I could see how like different personalities coming from all over that could be a thing or like. Yeah, that yeah. well, especially I mean, when it comes to fighting fires, I imagine you have to be able to listen and take direction and just do what you're told and don't fuck around. Yeah, it's it's very much a, a team sport. Like we have uh an officer who's on a fire engine and he's kind of in charge of of not only like the direction that that scene goes but also like ultimately he's responsible for our safety so it's yeah. kind of a like everybody listens to him they typically have more experience than everyone else on the rig they've been doing the job a lot longer they have more certifications they've been to more calls so yeah they're you know generally a good sounding board uh for questions for training uh for just listening to their experience i'm super fortunate right now with the station that i'm at um, one of my officers has 28 years on the job and the other one has 20 years on the job. So oh, that's great. Uh, combined almost 50 years of, of doing the job that I've been in uh, with Anchorage for almost six now. So damn, super good resources. Oh yeah. And I'm sure that just like helps. I mean, cause that's a wild job. I'm sure it's like, makes you feel a little more secure being like, okay, I trust that these guys know yeah. what they're doing. Cause it's like, I can't imagine being a firefighter and then having a boss like Michael Scott or something from the, <laughs> yeah. like we're all going to yeah. burn down. This isn't going to work. Um, <laughs> the fire drill episode of <laughs> the office is phenomenal. <laughs> and that's every day for you. You're like, it never yeah. ends. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you first got into this, did you like, I mean, I guess you just do both. So that's how it is. But do you have a preference? Like if you had to choose one? Uh, I, that's tough. Uh, be the, uh, I really enjoy being on the ambulance where I'm providing like a high level of care. Like, so, a, like it's a super emergency. Yeah. Like we're doing a lot of interventions. We're like actually taking like life saving type measures to help get this person to the hospital. Um, the ambulance can be not as fun, um, when you're transporting much less critical patients who maybe are just really inebriated. Oh, uh, how that can often wear is that? On you. Yeah, it's... it can it can be pretty frequent. It kind of it depends on the day of the week. It seems like um, and the fire that. stuff is the fire stuff is generally pretty exciting. Like when you go on 
on, on real fires and, and car accidents and that side of things is also really exciting and really dynamic. So they both definitely have highs. Um, and honestly, you could ask me five times in the, over the next two weeks and my answer would change. change. But yeah. yeah, it just depends on what rig I was on that week and how it went. <laughs> um, how often do you get ambulance calls that you're like, we didn't need an ambulance for this, that you're like, you're having a panic attack or, or like maybe that's not wise. Yeah, what, if you could like wise or how many times a day? <laughs> oh God. Um, I guess percentage wise, but like do people over exaggerate their need for ambulance? So I wouldn't say over exaggerate. I would say that like a large part of the demographic, at least in Anchorage, maybe doesn't understand like the true function of an emergency room <laughs> as well as as well as like larger cities do does that make sense like this is not an emergency yeah but anchorage also has like a much more limited capacity as far as like urgent cares and you know behavioral health support and and you know rehab facilities so in a lot of instances there's really nowhere else for them to go there's no other resource for them so yeah it's like maybe yeah, maybe they don't need to go to the ER, but their only source of information is a nurse contact hotline who says, well, if you're feeling some of these symptoms, you should go to the ER. <laughs> and then we get involved kind of thing. So I would say it's more of a a lack of resources and a lack of education. Yeah, like a yeah. lack of understanding of like, where, I mean, I guess that is a thing because I even have the thought, I'm saying I even like, me who I'm a regular person. So why wouldn't I, but like the amount of times I've been like, Oh, we should call like, there was a mattress on the highway once when I was on the road and I, I was like, well, we should call someone. And then we're like, do, do we call nine one one? Do we, Yeah. who, who else yeah. do you call? We don't, that's the only number we know. But then it's like, feels yeah. stupid that someone could be, be being murdered. And we're like, we saw some trash. Um, yeah. And we do get a lot of those calls. Uh, a common one is like an abandoned, like, gas can or a, an abandoned you know drum of an unknown substance left on the side of the road and and you know it could be anything right like maybe it's full of gas and has it ever been up. anything dangerous <laughs> since you've uh, had those calls yeah it like at times the hazmat teams come out and like had to dispose of stuff like uh there was a uh it was all over the news years ago uh somebody put like chlorine like straight chlorine on the streets uh, and which is like a super bad substance to get on your skin, to breathe, like it can burn your skin and all this stuff. And so like the hazmat team ended up responding and dealing with all of that. That's crazy. Were they like trying yeah. to terrorize people or was it just like a person who spilled their, I don't know. I think it, I think it was malicious in nature, um, That's but crazy. I'd have to look it up and read it again. It's been a while now. Um, are you like, are paramedics, the people who go out for like, I don't know what if it's a different if it's called something else in like a fifty one fifty is that what it's called in Alaska like a like a mental health call when someone's like oh okay like, so we yeah short answer yes um <laughs> so we have we do have what's called a mobile crisis team now in Anchorage which has been awesome oh that's um, great yeah so that just got uh, kind of stood up I want to say about eighteen months to two years ago. Um, nice. and we, we have uh, a couple on staff clinicians who are on duty kind of 9am, 9pm that window. Um, and they're actually onboarding right now for two more positions to make it a 24 hour coverage. 
Oh, great. Um, and they, they have an SUV. Um, they obviously have significantly larger amount of training in mental health emergencies uh, and that kind of field of things. Oh, that's great. Um, and then they're usually staffed on that SUV with a lined firefighter, um, either an EMT or a paramedic. Um, in case it is not just a mental health, in case there's some other aspect of the yeah, call case... that would need our input that they're not yeah. really comfortable with. And yeah. so they respond to a lot of them. And sometimes it's the person just wants a phone call uh, and they stay in quarters and, and the clinician gives them a phone call and they chat for 20, 30 minutes. And sometimes they want a home visit and we'll drive over and, and visit with them. And, and I think it's greatly reduced like the number of transports that we've had. Oh, that's great. For, for that type of, um, uh, like a psychiatric emergency or psychiatric problem as they get dispatched. Oh, that's so uh, great that, that, that they're like expanding the resources to like cover that. Yeah. Kind of and so AFD has uh, a couple of those teams and APD also staffs a couple teams. So there's anywhere in the realm of, of three to four of those on duty a day. Okay. Which has been super good. Damn. That's, yeah. I mean, it's just so great that they're finally like being like, Oh, this is a separate thing. We should have like a, like people yeah. who do this specifically instead of having cops showing up and being like waving a stick at schizophrenia. And you're like, this is <laughs> exactly. Or like trying to, cause you know, especially if they're not in their right mind or they truly are in like a, a, a psychotic break, like the last thing they need is like to be put in handcuffs in a cop car or, or even, you know, hauled away to the emergency room to sit on a psych watch for three days, like while they yeah. get their meds regulated, like they need like an actual mental health professional to manage that as a whole. Oh yeah. So. And it's also like, if you don't have the training, it's, it's such a specific thing. So I imagine like trying to wrangle someone in a situation like that is just yeah. hell and feels bad that you're like, this person isn't yeah. well and I don't know how to help them. Yeah. And you know, it's not drugs, you know, it's not alcohol in a lot of these instances. It's truly like, you know, if they have schizophrenia, like that's not something that they chose to do to themselves. And yeah. like, here we are trying to like make it better, which doesn't always make it better. Yeah. And it's like, it's important to have someone who can understand that too. Cause like, yeah, I, I feel like it's easy. Well, especially if you live somewhere where you do see like drug addicts on the street, it's easy to just be like, this person's yeah. just on drugs and you treat them yeah. differently if you understand that it's something that's outside their control. Um, yeah. Since you are in Anchorage and Anchorage does seem to have a lot of, <laughs> for those who don't know, boy, do people love drugs in it, uh, the town we're from. There are a lot of people who dabble in the illegal substances uh, arts, we'll call it. <laughs> um, Do you ever have to like handle uh do, i mean do you get a lot of calls based around drugs uh yes <laughs> your alcohol. face is like that's probably <laughs> yep, most uh -huh. calls. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, and varying degrees like varying degrees yeah do you ever how do i say this are there are there any like is it ever funny i know it's i know it's not oh funny yeah a lot of the times like like the situation like is is obviously not funny like it's sad like this person's addicted to drugs like their life <laughs> yeah. is spiraling but like <laughs> of course you know, i can't stop times, laughing i'm unwell yeah there's there are times where you're like on a call and and maybe they say something or do something and you're like what like what just happened like is this my real life like yeah they're just nonsensical then, and you're like okay yeah yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, 100%. And, you know, it can be anywhere and everywhere on the spectrum. Like, I've had people who thought they were, like, robots and, like, all kinds of, like, anywhere in between. They can walk at, like, pretty, like, gravity-defying angles. Like, I don't know how they're upright. Like They're like, I'm not drunk, and they're in a limbo just walking around. Yeah, just walking down the street like that. I'm like, I don't know what they're on, but, like, it's making them half levitate. Like, this is amazing. Like, (laughs) Like, oh, my goodness. There should be a case study on whatever it is. (laughs) Yeah, like, they maybe need to find that dealer and get that off the streets now. Like, it's not okay. (laughs) We have to get to the bottom of this. People are going to drift away. Yeah, Uh, but you'd you'd be baffled at, at how many uh patients we wake up using narcan who have used some sort of opiate um and then instantly deny using any sort of drug <laughs> well i know drug addicts so that yeah. makes sense no i didn't yeah. i just yeah. fell asleep <laughs> yep a very it must common have been answer. slipped into my arm and you're like <laughs> yeah. okay yeah. Uh, i was just sleeping really hard i'm like that's interesting because i last time i checked sleeping didn't make you stop breathing for multiple minutes but okay yeah. you're like sure, on the sidewalk you were yeah. taking a nap on the sidewalk for 14 hours. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I mean, cause we've all seen or even been the person who's not that we've all been like on heavy drugs, but like the drunken ding dong who's like, Oh yeah. Whoops a daisying around and like, you're like, okay, well now that we know that no one's hurt, it's hilarious. Yeah. You, you yeah. pissed in the street. Um, <laughs> Have you ever had any calls? Well, wait, I want to go back to firefighting really quick because yeah. uh, I feel like you can't talk to a person who has fought fires and just go like, yeah, anyway, tell me about your really basic ambulance calls. But um, <laughs> have you had to fight like aggressive fires before? Have you actually had to? Yeah, it's been a little uh, a little bit since we've had one uh, at our station, which our probie is not very excited about. They've been waiting for, for their first fire, so they're getting a little a little antsy but uh so funny uh, there have fire (laughs) yeah i know it's a a weird conundrum to have and and but it's understandable like they want to prove themselves and and like prove to the crew like that they can handle it and and also that excitement like you you don't really know like how you're gonna do until you do it yeah you know kind of it's like sex yeah, and I had I had more I would say more uh, fires when I worked in uh, up north in the interior, uh, and I think that just has a lot to do like building codes, more people using wood stoves, things of that sort. Um, but one thing that's kind of hard to replicate in training that I, you find out really fast on your first fire is like truly how little you can see. Like, really. Yeah, so you, like, the, the TV shows and movies are always really good at, like, portraying, like, oh, they walk in, and they're walking, and they're standing up, and, like, you can see the fire, and it's over here in the kitchen, and they, you know, spray it's water on it. It's a separate place, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool and fancy, and they all high-five outside, but, like, in reality, when we go to buildings that are on fire, like, most of what is in homes these days is made out of, like, plastic products, and what color does that oh. burn? Black. Like, it comes with black, dark, nasty smoke. Uh, and you can't see, like you, you just, you're going by feel or we have thermal imaging cameras um, that help you see, but you literally have to like hold the camera to your mask to even like discern oh, wow. what's what, yeah. And you're going by heat signatures, looking for victims and all that stuff. But that's the hardest part, I think, uh, to kind of wrap your head around is it, it's like 
true darkness. Did like, they like tell you that? Did they try to prepare you for that? Yeah, they do. And and you'll do training. Like they'll take uh, uh, old x-ray films and put them inside your mask during training, uh, which kind of doesn't take a hundred percent of the light out, but takes some of it away where you have to rely more on your hands and like what you hear and keeping your orientation to like one wall. Cause like you, I'll, I'll give you a story. I, I searched, uh, I was on a truck company and we went to a structure fire. Um, it was a double wide trailer. So not a huge resident, right? Like they're, yeah. that's like 28 feet wide by like 70 feet long, not yeah. gigantic. Pretty compact. And generally most trailers have the same layout. Like it's super straightforward. The front is going to be a kitchen or a living room. <laughs> like yeah, the back it's... is going to be the master bedroom. <laughs> like Yeah. It's pretty uh, classic. So uh, my captain and I go into search. The entryway is clear of smoke. There's the first bedroom. Nobody in there. Very light smoke. Move past the crew that was fighting the fire through the like kind of doorway connecting the two trailers. Get to a back bedroom. Smoke's like halfway down in that bedroom. Uh, there's a guy in there. He's trying to put pants on. Uh, so, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. My, my captain yells at him like, hey, we're leaving. And he's like, my pants. And my captain's like, screw your pants. We're leaving. Like your house is on fire kind of thing. Uh, oh, no. And my captain had him Our take a deep breath. <laughs> he had underwear on. So oh. <laughs> it's like God. rule number one that your parents tell you, like always sleep in your underwear or pajamas. So you don't end up naked outside when something goes wrong. <laughs> yeah, I've had that thought several times when we've had earthquakes here. And I've woken up and been like, I have made a huge mistake in this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> We get the guy out. Uh, he ends up being okay. We find his dog. His dog's okay. We get the dog out. We go back in to search the rest of the property. And we get to a, a, a back room, and there's a lot of smoke in the back room. We can't really tell. Like, what? you open the door, you can't, like, see into the room. And oh, so my captain, my captain says he'll go right, I'll go left, and we'll kind of meet, follow the walls, and meet in the back of the room. Okay. Uh, so I search this area on the left-hand side. And I knock something over and I like feel what it is. I can't really tell what it is through my gloves. I can't see anything, but I know it's not a person or an animal. So I'm like, okay, moving on. And then I got kind of tangled up in, in something and I couldn't really figure out what it was. Uh, and then like upon feeling it and trying to determine, I keep trying to close my eyes because that's how I like train. I can picture everything in my <laughs> mind. <laughs> so, so I'm not just weirdly blinking at you. <laughs> uh, but it ended up being a dryer vent, like the hose that connects to the back of your dryer. Oh, shit. I'm like, okay, like I could feel it and like recognize what it was, like moving on. Like I come around a corner, same thing happens. I knock something over, I pick it up. I'm like, this is not a person or an animal. Move on, on. get tangled up, dryer vent again. I'm like, weird. And I still can't see anything. So I, you know, oh, round God. the next corner and it, the same thing happens a third time in a row. And I'm at that point rattled because I'm like, did I just search the same spot three times? Like, how do I find an identical thing in every single, like, you're like, am I lost? Exactly. Like all these things are running through my head, but I know I can hear my captain like searching the other side of the room. He's calling out like he felt a window. He's like, I got a window because we call out to each other what we find. Okay. So like, so if something starts to go bad, I know I can go to his voice and there's a window for us to bail out of kind of thing. Oh, that's smart. Uh, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So you conserve your air as much as possible because you're only limited on how much air you have in your tank anyways. But like important things, we call out to each other. You're like dryer um, vent. No. Yeah. So I basically wasn't saying anything because I'm like, I don't know what I'm crawling into. Yeah. Uh, I searched this like third area. Uh, 
and make my way around, finally find like a back wall and meet him on the back wall. He's like, did you find anything? I'm like, I don't think so. I'm not really sure what I found, but like, there's no people in here. I'm sure of that. <laughs> like, that's yeah. all I can be sure of right now. Like, I don't know what just happened, but let's there's go no out humans. for air. Yeah. There's no humans. We're good to leave. We're good. There's no fire, no humans, no pets. Let's leave. So once all the smoke was cleared out of the trailer, we went back in uh, to see what we had searched because I was like bringing it up with him. Like, He's like I need I to know. Super confused. Like it made no sense to my brain like what I was in uh, and come to find out the back room had like a few couches on the captain's side with like a window and like a coffee table. And on my side was three identical, like six foot grow bays for, and what I was knocking over was his, uh, his weed plants <laughs> and the dryer vents were to like keep everything warm in there. And there was like light cords, but they were literally like, identical space apart like That's six feet so funny like picture perfect the same and you could see like in the sit where i crawled through all three of them like back Jesus. to back to back yeah so, it's like well that makes way more sense now than me being an idiot you're like also explains why i'm so high <laughs> yeah exactly i mean yeah, that's fucking wild i we're gonna take yeah. a quick break and then i want to ask about this specific thing and then we'll be right back Okay, we're back. On the weed growing situation, I don't know what the legalities are in Anchorage. I know it's like legal now or were at this time. Was it like completely legal to, to be there? Or was uh, it like... So you can. My understanding of it, not a cop. <laughs> I have to tell you. I, I think <laughs> yeah. in, in Anchorage, I thought like you can have it, but it just can't look like you're selling it. Up to three plants is I, what I was told. I, I That's my understanding as well. It's like you can have like your own grow at your home, like up to that like three or five plant level, um, but it's for personal use only. It can't be for any sort of like sale or yeah. distribution or anything like that without the proper like licensing and inspections and taxes and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, did we, did you ever find out what caused this fire? Uh, it was a cooking fire started in the kitchen. Oh, okay. I was like, yeah, was unattended just... cooking. The guy had put something. He got on high. Bed. He like put a yeah, a pizza in probably. and forgot about it. <laughs> yeah, like went to bed or took a nap, fell asleep, whatever, and it caught on fire. Yep. Damn, that's fucking yep. bananas. Um, yeah. does it get scary? Like when you have to go into like a fire, is it, or do you just go it's... full adrenaline? Do you not even think about like? It's a weird, uh, it's a weird adrenaline. Yeah. Like, like you're excited, your heart rate's up because you're, you know, you're wearing all of your gear. So you're wearing anywhere from 80 to a hundred pounds of stuff with tools on your, just on your body. Uh, so you're already like exertion, like your exertion's really high. Your heart rate's high. Like you're sweating before you even get in the door. It's hot, like just in all your stuff. Um, and you're excited because you get to go do your job. Um, but it's, it's an odd feeling. Cause you know, like somebody's possessions are in there getting destroyed. Right. Yeah, you're like, so it's, yeah, it's I like finally a, get to do my shit. I'm yeah, sorry about your house though. Yeah. That it's sucks. A, it's I'll a, do my best. <laughs> it is. It is tough, but it is, I think that's an important like aspect to recognize um, or you're in the wrong career field. Like if you're just chasing adrenaline for chasing adrenaline, like you're a sick go, fuck. 
go like use the squirrel suits in the Swiss Alps or something. Like I don't know. Yeah, what to just tell go you, be like, a you, skydiving instructor. Yeah, Jesus. yeah. You you have to have a like a healthy recognition of like the only reason we exist is because people have in our community really shitty days where like somebody gets seriously hurt or injured or like their belongings and everything they own in their life is literally getting destroyed. And you have to have that empathy. Do you feel like, Yeah. I mean, obviously a lot of that empathy for many people is innate, but do you think your experience in high school with what happened to your house also like gives you an extra layer of like the empathy for stuff like that? Yeah, I, I think so. Like we definitely grew up, we didn't have a lot. And so like having it, it's definitely different when it's your personal stuff, right? Like it, 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 you think about so many things like, yeah, it was an accident. The guy didn't do it intentionally. Like there's no malicious intent. There's nobody to like blame for lack of a better term, but like it is kind of somber of like going home. Like I was at work when it happened and my mom had called me. And so I like went over to the house and like, like my entire dresser of clothes got run over by a car. Like my bed was crushed. And so like, it definitely makes you respect like knowing like what my family went through. We had to live in a hotel for a couple months while they were figuring out the insurance. And it's like oh. this whole nightmare of a process. And you know, like the, like the people that we go to help a lot of times are going to be in that exact same scenario. So it helps me like recognize at least like just because we put the fire out doesn't mean everything is all better. Yeah. It's and, not like, well back to life. Exactly. Like, Oh, let's just go back in. Like, no, like you're going to be at a hotel tonight or a family member's house. If that's even an option and, you know, for the foreseeable future. And, yeah. And so just that uprootal of, of, and that's just with possessions, like people lose family members in fires. Like I, yeah. we've had a really rough year with fire fatalities in Alaska. I want to say, or in Anchorage, um, it might be, it might be for the state, but I think we're at like 18 or 19 this year. Are those wild. like are are those like wildfires like, or what no. are the is it like caused by people generally like dwelling fires like for for whatever cause like unattended cooking um is a common one sometimes chimney fires in the wall like if people don't have their chimneys cleaned um but it's a, there's a surprising number of homes that don't have like working smoke detectors or working carbon monoxide alarms like simple things that you can get from a grocery store. Um, that like are designed to save your life yeah and people just don't think about it or maybe don't even realize that they either don't have it or that it's not working yeah now i'm thinking about that and i'm like yep (laughs) oh there that's a fire okay i have a smoke detector yeah but I don't know if I have a carbon monoxide. Yeah. And most departments put out, <laughs> I a, just big, pass yeah, out. a big, yeah, a big PSA. Like every, every time you change your clocks for daylight savings, like change the batteries, oh, um, that's your smart. carbon, your carbon monoxide detectors are usually good for like five years. If you're renting, usually that's a landlord cost. Um, you just notify the landlord and they'll bring a new one out and put one in. We carry batteries on all of our apparatus like our fire apparatus up here, so fire engines, fire trucks. So if we're on like a medical call um, and we hear it chirping, like somebody from the crew generally will go out, grab batteries, swap the batteries, put it back up in place kind of thing. So we try to do all, everything we can. Like we're, we're truly, we know that we're a public service, um, but like we are very much a like customer service based industry, right? Yeah. Like the taxpayers, to... they directly control like our staffing, like how big our budget is, like all of these things. So 
by helping them more, ultimately it helps us as well. Yeah. Cause it's like when someone has a good experience, you know, an unfortunate experience that leads them to dealing with you, then they yeah. like keep in mind that they're like, well, actually at the fire department is very good here. And like, that's somewhere yeah. where I want my resources allocated and yeah, exactly. And and I, I feel like Anchorage as a whole, like our, our, our fire service here is, is pretty high level. Like we're, we're, you know, aggressive with, with training, with all the EMS stuff do our medical director is super proactive with, with trying to get us into new like medical uh, trials or trying, he's not scared to change our protocols. Uh, if new science comes out that says what we're doing, is, oh, I love know, that. Ten, He's not just like, this is how we've always done it. Sorry. Yeah, like if, if something comes out, it's like, hey, you know, this study just has 10% better results than what you guys are getting right now. Like, cool, let's go to that for six months, see how our results do. And if it's better, we'll keep it. And if it's not better, we'll go back to what we were doing before. It's like, great. So he's super have... proactive with that. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. that's like great. Cause you know, it doesn't out. You don't always get someone like that. Some people just get, yeah. they've, they're set in their ways. It's good to have someone who's like always looking for the next good thing and like yeah. making sure you guys are staying at the forefront of all that. Um, yeah. you ever have to do any calls and it's someone, you know, cause Anchorage isn't a huge uh, city, but it's not. Anchorage is not a huge city. It, I haven't been on one with somebody I know personally in a long time, which is weird. Like, like you would think with how small Anchorage is, like there's, I feel like we know everybody all the time. Like, our friends maybe got their shit together, so they're not having some yeah, accidents. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, I did go on a car accident up north that had somebody I knew in the car, and I was like their caregiver, like I was their medic. Um, oh, wow. Everything was fine with that, like oh, he did good. well. But yeah, but it was like a, wait a second, like, I know you kind of thing. And he, we had that weird like realization of like, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, I, then, yeah. What's up, man? Right, yeah. Right back into like patient care mode. Like, okay, I'm going to start an IV in you while they're cutting this car apart from around us and give you pain meds and all this stuff is happening. Just chill. Like it's going to be fun. <laughs> I mean, God, you probably have seen some horrific shit. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I, you don't have to like, tell me the worst. I mean, do you want to tell me like the worst thing you've ever seen or is that traumatic? Uh, there's like, I was like, I'm not going to ask, but then I was like, someone might want to hear it. There's just there's been, been some bad car accidents. Is that usually, yeah. that's like usually the worst. Yeah. Typically like, especially like high rates of speed, things like that, where like you have all of that weight and all of that mass of a car. Uh, and like the human body is just not made to withstand that. impacts like that at yeah. all. Is it true? Like, I somebody said this once, and honestly, maybe it was you, but uh, but I don't think it was. Someone told me that seatbelt laws are for paramedics. They're like, yeah, it's they keep you safe, but it's also so somebody doesn't have to scrape you off the ground. Well, is, that's not for us. <laughs> you're like, no, okay. I well, I just that is. popped in my head, and I was like, yeah. does that resonate with you at all? No. no. Um, so I will say though that like cars nowadays. Um, there's so many airbags, like we, we've pulled up to some like horrific looking car crashes and like all of the people are like out of the car standing on the side of the road, like on their phones, good to go. Like they don't want to go to the ER and they're just a okay from like a, you know, 40 mile an hour head on or 50 mile an hour head on kind of thing. And you're like, how the heck 
well, that not hurt you at all, but you know, everything turns into an airbag in most modern cars nowadays. Wow. That's great to know that like from someone who like sees it on the street, that that shit actually works. Cause you never, you just trust it and hope for yeah. the best. And like, yeah, of yeah. course there is always also the, like they say, you know, you get in an accident and sometimes you're in shock and it's like, you maybe should see a doctor, but people are like, I feel yeah. fine. And then months later, yeah. you're like, your discs are all out of place, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's fucking life, I guess. Um, yeah. Two questions about you taking care of yourself in a position like this. Um, yeah. First of all, with like the, the, with fighting fires, that seems like obviously physically task, uh, like taxing. Do you guys do like, uh, is there any type of like workout protocol or is it just like recommended or anything that like to kind of keep in shape for those instances? Yeah, it's, it's not required. It is recommended. Um, and all of our stations have super nice workout facilities in them. Um, part of our, our union dues goes towards buying, uh, like that exercise equipment. So like at my station alone, um, you know, we have like an assault bike, an elliptical, some treadmills, a stair climber, a full assortment of weights, squat rack, like all kinds of stuff. Like it's a, it's a beautiful gym. All the, all the facilities have really, really nice gyms. Um, and then we do an annual, annual uh, test. Everybody uh, on the department does it. It's called a PPA. It's a, a, a physical performance assessment. It's like a predetermined like set of rigorous activities when they check your vitals before and check your vitals after. Um, and make sure that like you can handle like some level of exertion. It's not super, super difficult, um, but it's designed to like, you know, get you sweaty, get your heart rate up. You're in all your gear and you're performing normal job duties that we would do like on a fire uh, and making sure that your body responds normally. Like afterwards we expect your blood pressure to be higher and your heart rate to be up. But then, you know, 10 minutes after we should expect those kind of start to recover and be more normal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um... Be more normal. You ever do one of those? Because also, like, I know uh, you had a pretty bad leg injury for a while. Yeah. Um, you ever do yeah. one of those or go on a fire call after you haven't had them for a while and be like, oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so after my my leg was tough because I was – I had, ended up having two surgeries. I was on – And that was a sports injury, right? That wasn't – That was a sports injury, not not – not okay. Fire I know people related. are listening going, you can't just say yeah. that and not tell the tale, but yeah, yeah it wasn't yeah. fire related. It was a sports injury, not, not fire related, but it, I was on a couch for non weight bearing for three months. Uh, and it's really easy to door dash nowadays. Yeah. It's, <laughs> oh, technology is so cool, but it's made it so easy to just let yourself become a huge piece of shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I was getting really good at, uh, watching all the things on the internet and playing video games and DoorDash was like my life for three months. Uh, and it became a door saunter after a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like to the point where DoorDash drivers would be like, hello again. <laughs> like, <kind laughs> You're like, can you I'm not like, say that? Oh. <laughs> You're ordering it from your wife's account. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, that was tough. Uh, and tough, I would say mentally as well. Like you're so used to, you know, uh, helping out with things around the house, going to work, like yeah, being you know, on your feet, like just, yeah. Being on your feet, driving, you know, you're a without, dad of two boys too. So it's like, yeah. Like being an active, like component of a household to like, I have to crawl up the stairs to go to bed was like a really, a that's really so sad. Hard... I'm sorry. I'm laughing. <laughs> it was, it was terrible. It was, it was, 
very tough. I was very excited to get back to work, but I noticed very quickly, like once I got back to work, like physical therapy helped me like regain my leg strength, but like all of the other, like my cardio was gone. Like I had my upper body strength was nowhere near where it needed to be. So I had a long, like kind of road to even just get back to any sort of baseline. Like it was probably with my leg a year before I was back to like full strength. And I would say it was close to that before I would like feel a hundred percent going on calls and stuff. Damn. And I mean, that fucks yeah. with your like, like mental and emotional state too. Cause it's like your yeah. sense of who you are and like, you know, you, I'm sure like how you see yourself as like a provider and like, as you said, like helping out around the house and then that doesn't fucking help with the door dashing. If I know anything about no. feeling no. bad about myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's um, like, oh, wait, I can click this button and they bring ice cream. Excellent. <laughs> it'll make me happy for a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, As far as like mental health with like, I mean, because you see some crazy shit. How do you yeah. like, how do you deal with that? So uh, just tucking it like in. the old, the old adage, like in the fire service as a whole, it's changed now. I'll kind of preface it with that. Um, but the old adage was, like you don't talk about it like it happened and it's terrible we're moving on like oh, you don't I didn't talk know about my it. whole family was firefighters <laughs> yeah you have, like and their big thing was like if you're dwelling on the last really shitty call you're not going to be able to help the people on the next shitty call yeah kind of thing um okay and that like from the outside looking in you're like no oh, that makes sense like I don't see worry why about someone that. would think that <laughs> yeah and and what they kind of realize is like what that does is like forces guys into a bottle of booze or pills yeah like, you're and then they're they have other coping mechanisms down. to suppress it exactly yeah. exactly so now um the the union the international uh, association of firefighters has been awesome in recognizing like ptsd is is very real yeah um and and is not necessarily only something that's associated you know with people who are fighting our wars um Oh, yeah. But that when you get exposed to like the levels of stressful situations that we do, it messes with like our cortisol levels, our sleep deprivation messes with us, like all of these different things mess with us. Um, but they have uh, a couple centers in the United States called Centers for Excellence and, and cost free, like any union member in the U.S. can say, like I'm having this problem with, you know, alcohol abuse or drug abuse and boom, like you go out to one of these centers, you're there for like three months, depending um, to get you clean and get you back on your feet and teach you like healthy coping mechanisms and like how to like kind of reset, hit the reset button and get back to where you were probably at the beginning of your career. And over the last 20 years, it's just been wearing you down kind of thing. Oh, that's um, great. And they, they're huge on, uh, we have a team, <clears throat> we have a team of, uh, uh, varying ranks of personnel in our department. They're called peer support. Um, and so their, their whole, their, they get extra training outside of like our normal firefighter training um, to handle situations. So they actually have like a little designation on our staffing model. So I can pull up any day of the week and tell you who's on peer support. And like, if you're just having a hard time after a bad call, like, you can call them. They put themselves out of service wherever they're at. And like, and just, you are, you are their emergency at that point, And they handle you, like help you decompress, whether that's a face-to-face -face meeting, a phone call, whether you need to go off duty and, and go home and talk to peer support, 
any of those things. They're very supportive of all that stuff. Just recognizing that mental health is such a huge component, not only for the people we take care of, but like the stress levels of that our job inherently gives us. Yeah. And so that that's been pretty cool. Um, oh, I'm sorry, my dog's walking by. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, he's not very happy with me. He got neutered yesterday, so oh, he's, having you... a rough, he's having a rough day. <laughs> oh, he hates you. Is yeah, he in a he's cone? Not, no, he's not. He's been really good about not messing with his incision. So well, I let him out of it. Well, yeah, I put him in it last night. It was not pretty. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. nothing sadder than a dog in a cone. Yeah. Uh, but to kind of nuts, rewind so. there, though, <laughs> it's uh, – uh, it's nice knowing that those resources are available. I'm like a habitual – put everything into its own container kind of thing and like open those containers when I need to, if that makes sense. Like <laughs> at the rink, I'm like hockey mode and at home I'm in dad mode and at You're work. You're good I'm at in compartmentalizing. Yes. A hundred percent. And that is great. And I think we're all good at that for some level. Um, I'm sure there'll be a time where I'll need peer support for one of those things. And I recognize that, which is, is, that's half the battle good. is like and being it's, it's okay nice. with that too. Yeah. And it's nice knowing like that it is available. Yeah. So if I do hit that threshold, like I have a resource, I already know who they are, where they are. Um, and the big thing that the union pushed making it like a peer support is, is you don't say, Hey, I'm having this hard time. And they send you, you know, to a psychologist's office that you don't know and doesn't know anything about our yeah, job this is or a anything guy like that's that. Like been through it or lady. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, he could be at your station or yeah. they could be at a station, you know, two miles down the road, but they've like worked in the career field. And they recognize truly what those stressors are kind of thing. Yeah, that's great. Well, because I also feel like, you know, the culture is shifting and like, you know, taking care of our mental health is becoming more and more normal. But there is still that like societal kind of not to use like a catchphrase, but like or like toxic masculinity where like I feel like there's so many years where, yeah, it is just even more for men like just fucking suck it up don't be a bitch but it's like good to know that that a exists and it seems like you guys are or at least you know you are like okay with the fact that like oh if someday i might need that i will go use that and that's yeah good to have Um, yeah and i each station we're like kind of our own little family group yeah so like you can even talk around the dinner table and decompress with each other and like discuss a bad call how could we have done better if everything went right like everything went right and like there's just some things that we like we can't cure like i'm sorry but if your if your head gets chopped off like there's nothing i can do about that as a a medical professional like i can't undo that yeah yeah, not the technology not at all have you ever seen someone's head chopped off uh not completely but like partially yeah yeah Christ on a cracker. Um, you said <laughs> around the dinner table. You mean that literally, right? Yeah, hundred percent. So yeah. okay, well, I guess we'll wrap up on this because I find this really interesting. Um, what is your schedule like, and like the day to day, like what's going yeah. on when you're not on a call? So and what is the like weekly schedule? Because I know it's crazy. So I'll pull up my schedule because it's easier to kind of read it off. Um, the we're on what's called a Kelly schedule. Um, and so next That's week, Kelly's a bitch. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> next week, uh, or this, I work this Friday for 24 hours and then I have Saturday off for 24 hours. I go back Sunday for 24 hours. 
and I'm off Monday for 24 hours. And then I go back Tuesday for 24 hours and then I have four days off. So it's every other day for five days and then you have 24 hour shift. And then I have four days off. Yep. For the, for like a 24 hour shift. Do you guys like alternate taking naps or are you just fucking awake for 24 hours? No. So, uh, at every station we have our, uh, own bedroom. So like I have a bedroom that I occupy on B shift. Um, and then somebody else has that room on a shift. And so this shift. is how they got you to join. Your bedroom was destroyed. They're like, I've got a place for you to sleep. <laughs> exactly. To like, exactly. And you have to clean our toilets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we are like, when we show up in the morning of our, of our first shift, uh, well, we do this every day, but we show up, we check out all of our equipment. So our medical stuff, make sure like everything is where it needs to be. We have all the stuff we need. If we like have any expired meds or anything like that, we'll get resupplied. Um, we check out all of our, uh, firefighting equipment on the engines, make sure that's where it needs to be. We check out our air canisters, make sure they have enough air for a fire. Um, and then we usually have a morning meeting to kind of go over, like if we have anything on the agenda for that day, as far as training, um, otherwise we make like all of our meals as a crew, um, the city doesn't pay for that. We pay for all of our own food. So each firefighter at my station brings 40 bucks and that gives us three dinners and a breakfast. Um, so dinner for three shifts and a breakfast, we cook it all ourselves. Is there anyone who's like a better cook than everyone that you're like, I hope he's on my shift. A hundred percent. You got like a fat Um, Italian even in-house like there's uh, a few guys who are really good at cooking and really enjoy it um nice. and so they typically cook more than than some of the other guys uh but uh downtime like if you have any training or, or medical education you need to get caught up on because we have to meet a certain number of hours annually um then you do that we do crew training uh we usually train the newer employees we clean the station so like Everything from dry mopping to mopping, the counters, dishes, bathrooms, everything gets cleaned every day, vacuumed. We wash the trucks uh, on a daily basis. And then usually we're pretty busy kind of that 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. normal business hours. And after 5 p.m. is like kind of dinner prep and kind of relax time. Like throw something on TV. You just some guys wait. play cribbage. Yeah, some guys play pickleball, cribbage, foosball. You have pickleball? Like, yeah, we have pickleball in our back parking lot. At our what? Station. Yeah. I want to come play pickleball with firefighters. What the fuck? It's fun. Yeah. Most stations have a court now somewhere in their, on their location. I Uh, just played for the first time. I'm obsessed. Sorry. Yeah. Some guys work out like at varying times of the day. Like if they're evening guys, then we always know like, Hey, those three guys are going to be working out later. Like I'll work out in the morning, but, and then you just go to bed in your room and you have like a special alarm clock on the wall that lights up and turns red and talks to you in the middle of the night. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah, that's wild. Yep. Damn. So I like, yeah, I guess you probably get really close to everyone. It, it makes sense that they're like a family. Yeah. Yeah. You, you live, we live a third of our year live with our shift, each other, like a yeah. third of the year, no matter what. It's like 120 shifts, roughly 110 shifts. You ever been yeah. at a station, I guess, or with that, or like stuck on a shift with someone you can't fucking stand? Uh, not really. I'd say okay. we get along <laughs> with, <laughs> we get along with everyone pretty well because that, like typically if somebody's not doing well or not going to fit, like they don't make it past probation. And and a big part of it is like, yeah, a big part of it is like, we are all so close and we have to be like, we have to trust each other. And like, we, like, you know, we're going into some pretty dicey situations. Sometimes like you have to know like what the other person next to you is capable of, like trust that they're capable of like dragging me out if they need to kind of thing. 
Yeah. Um, and yeah. so, you know, but it is like a family, like you could be bickering with somebody on your crew for a couple of weeks and then everything is all good it's again. Fine. Like there's, yeah, it's like little, like little yeah. tips here and there. Little squabbles. <laughs> but, yeah. You're stuck exactly. with someone for 24 hours <laughs> exactly. regularly. You're going to not get along <laughs> Yeah, hundred exactly. percent of the time. Yeah. Um, but then go ahead. No, go ahead. But then. Oh, but then usually you go on, you know, a big call or something that's kind of crazy and everybody's right back together enjoying everybody's company again. <laughs> ah, that's great. You're like, we did it, gang. Yep. Trauma exactly. brought us back together. <laughs> um, Before we go, at the beginning of this, we, I mean, we talked a little bit about like how, you know, Anchorage has brought on, um, you know, different people to handle maybe mental health calls. But are mm-hmm. there, are, is there any like certain type of calls you get regularly that, should be to someone else that other people should know, like check into this resource and in your area? Um, I would say the mental health is the big thing uh, that I've noticed. Um, uh, Drug abuse is obviously like pretty rampant across the United States as a whole, not just Alaska in general. Um, I mean, we see it on the news all the time uh, from across the U S like fentanyl is really big right now. Um, It's crazy. But just, I would say the big thing is just reach out to centers if people are trying to find help. Like opiate addiction help, I think it's huge right now in our country. And yeah, and important for people to recognize like the importance of even regular people who aren't on drugs potentially having those hope kits or Narcan is, is the actual drug name. But uh, a lot of communities give out hope kits now to the public, uh, and sometimes cost free. Uh, and that's truly something that could save somebody's life. So. Yeah. So it's like, look into that. That's so true. God, it's everywhere. And then, um, one more thing I would do. How often do you get, or do you ever get calls where you're like, they could have called earlier and they should have called earlier? Oh yeah. Yeah. I I like the biggest one that I've noticed is people who've had maybe their illness for a long time. Like it's a chronic illness. Um, so they think like, Oh, this is going to blow over. It's having a little fit. Yeah, yeah. This all this happened last week and it was no big deal kind of thing. And they wait and they wait and they wait and they wait. And then by the time we get there, it's like now this person's unresponsive or not breathing or doesn't have a pulse and, and that obviously changes everything with how we you know, and if we would have been called if we'd have been called a day earlier. Um a big one too that's super time important is uh strokes. Strokes is uh. super, super time important. Um like the difference in time can be uh, super detrimental, not only for like how many, uh, how much brain damage you're getting from that blockage or that bleed, but, but kind of what interventions they can do ultimately as well, whether they can give you kind of clot buster medications or surgical intervention and stuff is all very time dependent. Um, oh. so that like droopy face. Slurred yeah. What speech. are the signs of a stroke again? Yeah. So facial droop is one. Um, so like if somebody's talking to you or like, if you have them smile and they can smile with literally like you, I can't even do it intentionally. Cause it's, it's like, like one side of their face. Yeah. Like one side of their face will truly just be like paralyzed and droopy. Um, arm drift is another. So we'll have them like hold their arms out in front of them. Like they're holding a pizza box and have them close their eyes. And like if one arm just drifts down and they think they're holding it up still um, speech, like a, a weird, like kind of slurred speech. Okay almost like they've developed a list over the last 10 minutes that didn't ever exist in their entire life. Um, and then another important fact after you call is like noting the onset of when that happened. Cause like yeah, the, so the paramedics, tell. yeah, the paramedics will ask very specifically like when exactly was the last time you saw this person normal. 
Um, and that kind of starts the clock for us. And the, we call it a continuum of care. So uh, by the time we get there, we transport then you know, that adds 15, 20 minutes sometimes. And then, you know, the ER physicians talk to them. And, and the goal is, is to get them into an intervention um, where they get that clot or that bleed repaired in their brain as soon as possible. So maybe they don't have lifelong deficits. Okay. Wow. That's like yeah. so helpful. And like, it's good to hear that. I wanted to follow up with one more question. I swear I won't keep asking questions, but like, I think maybe some people, I, I imagine some people's delay in calling is like a fear of like the cost of an ambulance versus mm -hmm. what if I find out this isn't a big deal? Like I've been to the emergency room like four times for what turned out to be gas. So I'm one of those people <laughs> like, um, yeah. yeah. would you say like, it's more important to just like worry about that later and, or. Yeah. Uh, and I have this conversation with a patient on a weekly basis. Like, cause they'll be like, well, how, say, how expensive is this going to be? Do people ever yeah, ask you that? And, and, oh yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm not sure with like with the rest of, of the U S but at least in Anchorage, um, uh, when we respond out and like check your vital signs and do kind of like that baseline interview, I ask you, you know, what's going on today, what prompted you to call kind of thing. Um, if you're feeling better at that point, or you realize all your vital signs are normal and this is exactly like what happened last time when you had gas and you don't want to <laughs> go to the ER, like we don't force you to go to the ER. Okay. Like, and so like, you're not yeah. going to get, you don't get charged at all for that. No, no, not at all. Like if, if we came out and just did merely an evaluation and you're like, you know what, I'm feeling way better now. Sorry, this is past. This has happened before. I really don't want to go to the ER. Like if you're alert and oriented, not on the influence of anything, like that's 100% your legal right to okay. deny, deny being taken to the hospital. That's yeah. good to know. Cause I feel like maybe yep. people didn't realize like yeah, and we and like we that. do that. Uh, we do that at times. Now we always recommend, like, if you are worried enough to call us in the first place, like, you should, you know, get get it looked get at, get checked out. Yeah, yeah, but ultimately, like, it's their decision, and there's, uh, you know, maybe that means they'll call their primary care physician tomorrow, or they'll drive themselves to an urgent care or any of those things yeah. that typically are cheaper options than an ambulance in the emergency room. Okay, and yeah. now that you've told people about this. Do you have any frequent uh, flyers? You got people who are just abusing this privilege who never take the ambulance, but are like constantly having uh, like, I had a headache. I no. thought I was having an aneurysm. I'm just no. imagining typically me being our, this person. Typically our, typically our frequent flyers always want to go to the hospital. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, take yeah. me. They, they, they call all the time and we show up and like, okay, you want to go to the hospital? And they're like, yep. I'm like, okay, let's go to the hospital. It's like, there's you obviously no can't arguing. go into details, but do you have anyone that you're like, yeah. this guy does not need to go to the hospital, but he wants yeah, to come. Yeah, hundred percent of the time. And I can't <laughs> go into details, but I can tell you that there are patients in my service area that I know their full name, date of birth, what they're allergic to. It's just in my memory forever because I've written it down so many times. And I don't know what I have forgotten in order to remember that, but I <laughs> um, hope it's not important. <laughs> oh man. So, uh, like I can recognize addresses when it pops up on our, on our like, wall. Oh, like, here we go. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's hilarious. All right. Well, thanks for doing this. Uh, Absolutely. Any last pieces of advice, anything you want to share? You don't have to have anything, but. Uh, don't believe WebMD. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. All right. Well, uh, that was Chris Ling, everybody. Uh, yeah. 
Don't believe WebMD. Check for signs of stroke and uh, support your local first responders. Bye, idiots. That concludes this week's episode of Ignorance is Blessed. I hope you enjoyed the guest. Do you have follow-up thoughts, follow-up questions? Get in the Facebook group and start a conversation. Ignorance is hashtag blessed idiots on Facebook. You can search for it or find it on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash jmscomedy. There you can have a chat about this guest. You can ask about future guests. You, You can suggest future guests. I love it all. Please keep giving suggestions and keep asking questions because the more we ask, the more we learn, the more we know. And the more we know, the more we can look down on others who aren't as smart as we are. And isn't that the point? Thank you for listening. And thank you for being patient with my ignorance. See you soon, idiots.